From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett, and welcome to the Holiness Podcast. Each month, we do a in-depth Bible study on the subject of biblical holiness, and we're delighted that you have joined us uh, this month. We have chosen an Old Testament psalm and a topic that, at the moment, seems to be uh, uh, an important one for me and some of the folks in my circle of friends, because we've had some difficult times. Uh, We've been through a few storms in our lives. We've uh, lost some dear friends. And uh, the title of our study today, which is based on the 84th Psalm, is Peace in the Storm. And I would invite you, if you have your Bible and uh, follow along, that uh, you turn to Psalm 84. Now, I want to tell a story I think a couple of years ago I shared in another podcast, but it fits uh, so beautifully in this particular uh, study that I want to share it again. When our son, our only son, Booth, was five or six years old, he came one Monday evening to my wife, Martha, and asked her, Mom, do you know what it's like to be in the depths of despair? Now. He explained that. Uh, My wife was a little taken back, but he explained that his two sisters had been reading to him Anne of Green Gables. And when Anne dyed her hair and it turned green, she was in the depths of despair. And Booth wanted to know what that meant. Well, of course, we all go through seasons in our lives of unrest and uncertainty and storms. And there probably are some listening today who may be facing the depths of despair, the real thing. This study today, I hope, will bring comfort, clarity, and encouragement to all of us because the storms of life are certain to appear. And I want to read Psalm 84, which is our text. It's 12 verses, and uh, we'll touch on quite a few of them specifically as we go through the study. I'm reading from the New International Version, and here is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints. For the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. 
the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob, Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Now, you see, holiness is all about relationship. And a person in an intimate relationship with God can have peace, not just the absence of trouble, but real peace. In the storm, they can have contentment, which is kind of the key word we're going to focus on as we study this psalm. In the darkest valley, they can have perfect rest while living on Jordan's stormy banks. So the overall theme of this psalm is being permanently content. We can experience the permanent blessing of God. We can know a contentment, a state, no qualities of which change 365 days a year. Not a contentment tied to people or circumstances. Well, we're going to say a little more about that, but that is the theme of Psalm 84. Now, as any good Bible student, and we strive to be good Bible students, we want to be sure we understand the setting of the passage we are studying. And the 84th Psalm is a Psalm of David. We know that because. In verse 9, uh, that very specific title, your anointed one, is used, as well as in verse 3, the characteristic phrase of David, my king and also my God. It is a psalm in the title, which is identified as of the sons of Korah, part of a group of songs or psalms sung only by the priests. And you may remember that Korah was the grandson of Levi and led a rebellion, uh, the sons of Korah in numbers. But now, at the time of David, many of his descendants were faithful priests. And you heard three times or twice uh, the word Selah, which is uh, actually a... Musical pause. <laughs> but the real setting is found in the story which prompted this psalm of David, this cry unto God. And the verse that is really the setting is found in 2 Samuel 15, the 30th verse. This was during David's time of exile. He was banished from the temple and from Jerusalem 
by the wicked rebellion of his son Absalom. Let me read those verses so that we can understand the setting in which this psalm, this song to God, takes place. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too, and were weeping as they went up. In this past March, I had the privilege to return to the country of Israel, the first time I had been in 37 years. Many things had changed, but walking up the Mount of Olives brought so many truths and uh, thoughts about Scripture and stories from Scripture to my mind, and this was one of them. This was during David's time of exile. Now, David had caused enough grief for himself during his life, but not this time. God had forgiven David for his sins, but had told him of the anguish he would face with Absalom. And so what we are seeing in that 2 Samuel account is a sad and pathetic occasion. The old and great king forced to leave Jerusalem by his own son's rebellion. Now, we're going to see that the greatest grief is actually separation from worship of the tabernacle of God. Now, why is this psalm so insightful and important for us? Because these are the cries from the heart of a wise and tested man of God standing back and looking at his life. Now, the promise... We're going to look at a brief outline as we work through this psalm. But the first thing we look at is a promise. It's found in the middle passage. There are three stanzas. The middle passage is verses 5 through 7. And verse 7 speaks of those who are going through the storm of life, particularly what we just described David going through. And it says that they can go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now this psalm speaks of a contentment that we can all have no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in in life. And you can't speak about contentment without thinking of Philippians 4, 11 to 13. So that's the one place we're going to mention in the New Testament, which speaks about peace in the storm. Many of you will recognize these verses. Again, this is Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13, where Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So contentment is peace in the storm. It's living in the presence of God continually. And in the context of our studies over the past four years, It is living in a 
relationship where God the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives and we seek his will at every moment. Discontent is a key to the lack of spiritual vitality. I mentioned uh, that we would not only call it peace in the storm, but uh, we would call it rest on the stormy banks of Jordan. When I wrote that down, I was thinking of my father, who was a very uh, interesting man with a wonderful story of uh, conversion. He had been in World War II, was a uh, rear and turret gunner on a Navy aircraft in the uh, Pacific, and uh, came back and uh, was wonderfully saved, committed his life, became a Salvation Army officer. He was always positive, even in times of storm and difficulties in in our lives. I always remember him very quickly claiming the presence of God and being positive. And he would many times in those kind of circumstances would say, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I'm bound for the promised land. And so uh, someday I've committed to myself that I'm going to preach a sermon living on Jordan's stormy banks. And that could be this Bible study as well, because this is about having peace in the storm. Now, spiritual life means that we are growing. That verse 7 said, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall go from strength to strength. This made me think of what I would call the chorus that fits this or song that fits this Bible study better than any I know. It's called Total Praise. And I was on my cell phone, kind of, I think I was on Facebook and kind of strolling through Uh, the news and items, and all of a sudden I came upon a group of opera singers in a great big room who sang this song, Total Praise. Now, I want you to imagine, these were bona fide opera singers with gorgeous voices, probably 40 to 50 of them. And it started, I think, with a baritone beginning to sing. Lord, I would lift my hands to the hills, knowing my strength is coming from you. Your peace you give me in time of the storm. And by now, all 40 or 50 voices are singing, and the sopranos are in the stratosphere, and the... the. Uh, expression musically is just overwhelming. Your peace you give me in time of the storm. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total praise to you. If that doesn't make us think of this passage uh, or see how it fits, then we're, uh, we're really missing what is quite obvious. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
we can go from strength to strength. Now, for David, this is represented by the temple, the sanctuary. Verse 1 begins the first stanza with, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. And David is thinking about the sanctuary and the temple from which he has been driven. I was uh, preparing for this message, and about three days ago, I got back on my phone and I looked up Brahms' German Requiem, which uses the verses from Psalm 84. Remarkable, incredible piece of music. And I listened to these first four verses from that marvelous piece of music. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Fleming James calls this psalm the supreme psalm of the sanctuary. Your dwelling place, the courts of the Lord, all that stands for the living God. And in verse 2 it says, I yearn, I faint, I cry out. Now, dear friends, we must really want God's peace and presence. We must seek it if we want to experience when the storms of life come. It's kind of a funny story I use occasionally. Johnny was visiting Aunt Mary, which was a great experience for him because When he stayed overnight and got up in the morning, Aunt Mary would make pancakes. And she would let him eat as many pancakes as he wanted. Well, that uh, took place on this visit. He sat at the kitchen table and ate three, four, five pancakes. Finally, he came to a stopping point. And Aunt Mary says to him, Johnny, do you want any more pancakes? And little Johnny says, No, ma'am, I don't even want the ones I've already eaten. What is it that, uh, that is your real desire? What do you yearn for? So many of us strive for things. And like Johnny, when we get them or realize them, we don't even want them because we're not striving for the right things. But David says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The alternative to contentment is mentioned in verses uh, 3 and 4. Actually, it's homelessness. There's a topic we can relate to today, isn't it? We can relate to it personally, having uh, lost our house in a hurricane a year ago and experiencing uh, uh, a modest kind of homelessness in that we did not know from night to night where we were going to stay. But David laments and says, even the sparrows found a home. Even the swallow has his nest. David is jealous of sparrows and swallows because they have a home. And that for him is contentment. He is experiencing the loss, the separation from the sanctuary of God. 
God's presence in our lives is the source of peace. He is the source of permanent contentment. Now, if the promise is permanent contentment, the goal has two parts to it. And I mentioned that verses 5 to 7 is really the heart of this psalm and the key text for our study. There are two things, two lessons we want to glean from these verses. The first one is the place where permanence of life is found. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. What a powerful motif pilgrimage is in Scripture. We are travelers. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. When I was a boy, I used to love gospel music and saying many times, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And in verse 5, David is beginning to uncover and discover the real answer to his problem by recognizing that he is a pilgrim. Now, I'm in ministry and have been in the Salvation Army for uh, a long time, and we understand being pilgrims because when you become a minister, officer in the Salvation Army, you receive your appointments and you move fairly often and many times during your life of ministry. This psalm is really a pilgrimage hymn. David is moving toward the wonderful discovery that the sanctuary, the temple, is not a geographic place. Instead, it is the altar in his heart. You see, what it says is, in that fifth verse we read, is, blessed are those who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. The key is inside them, not outside them. And that picture, which is so tragic that we began the study with, of David and all of those who followed him, going barefoot and heads uncovered in the middle of the night, escaping their home, is a wonderful picture of the key being inside them, not outside them. Friends, the highways of life are in your heart. They're not interstates and country roads. So lesson number one is that we are on a spiritual pilgrimage. This world is not my home. We're travelers, pilgrims, sojourners. The second lesson comes to the heart of what I want to share with you today. Blessed. That word is found throughout this psalm. It's found in verse 4. It's found in verse 5, which we just read. And it's found in verse 12. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This word is very important to unpacking the richness of this psalm. Here's the thrust of Psalm 84, the message for you and me today. This word blessed is describing an experience, a state, no qualities of which change 365 days a year. It never has to depart. Now, there are many uh, times in the Old Testament and examples 
of blessings which are related to place or person or experience. And there's an identifiable locus of blessing. But that is not equal to the way the word is used here in this psalm and the richness of its meaning. The word, perhaps some of you Bible students will not be surprised, is shalom. This great and powerful Old Testament word carried with it a sense of permanent peace, security from enemies, and a general sense of wholeness and well-being. It doesn't matter if it's times of, of joy or comfort, if it's a storm, if it's a pandemic. It describes a state of flourishing wholeness. And it's not promised to just anyone, not just to any person, but it's promised to a particular person, the one who dwells in the Lord's house in verse 4, the one who has set their heart on pilgrimage in verse 5, and the one who trusts in God, verse 12. Those are the three times this great word is used in this psalm. The person who is blessed is going somewhere. Now, the tension in this story and the tension in this teaching is found in verses 6 and 7, particularly in verse 6. The way we are blessed, the method is that we claim the promise of God and we experience this pervasive contentment. Verse 6 is the key to this psalm. Verse 6 says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca is the valley of weeping, which is what that word means. It also can mean balsam tree which is a rugged tree that can grow where other things cannot. Either way, it speaks of a sterile spot, a period of weeping or a period of bitterness, but it's only temporary or transitory because the person who is blessed is going somewhere. They're in the process of change And the guidance of God, it's not the place that brings the permanence. And the valleys of Baca are going to pass as well. I think it's true to say we all experience the valley of weeping in our life. Sometimes we get overcome by it and think that there's nothing to look forward to but that sure and certain trial that's around the corner. I don't believe I'm the only one here who wonders why life in Christ is not simply strength to strength to strength. Anybody else feel that way? Anybody today in the valley of weeping? Sometimes it's not possible to see. (laughs) Some people I know have recently been in them, in those valleys with regularity. I've learned some Southern sayings since I relocated from the north about 55 years ago. When you're up to your eyes in alligators, it's hard to remember that your purpose was to drain the swamp. You're just trying to avoid the teeth. (laughs) 
Anybody here in the valley of weeping? Well, blessed men, men who live in the power of God's Spirit, men and women who have an intimate relationship with God, they not only go through, they not only are in the valley of weeping, they go through the valley of weeping and they make it a place of springs. Permanent contentment in their hearts because that's where peace in the storm is found. Now, last week we learned about the comfort and power of affirming faith. And I suggested to you that I would uh, carry on to this study this week, that truth. We learned the power of speaking the truths of the promise of God, the promises of God in his word. And for our affirmation about this wonderful biblical truth, I would suggest you say, Throughout the rest of the day, God is with me in the darkest valley. Remember that even though you may not feel threatened at this time, all fears and anxieties point ultimately to the horizon of death and those who feel forsaken by God. I think of Psalm 23, and we affirm in that psalm, that our whole life finds its security in God's faithful care. I personally have used this affirmation for the past few days in the following way. God is with me in my fears about the future. God is with me as I worry about my wife Martha's well-being. God is with me as I face the challenge of finding a new home. How would you personalize this affirmation? What is the dark valley in your life? God is with me in. God is with me in. And you fill in the blank. Surrounded as we are by God's presence, every place can be home. We are pilgrims. We can find anointing and abundance in the midst of pain, persecution, and controversy. For Christ's healing presence permeates even the darkness of grief and death. When we cry out, there is one who listens. When we reach out, there is a guiding hand. You've probably noticed over the months, if you've been a regular listener, that I like to quote a lot of songs. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. That's a description of holy living. A description of peace in the storms of life. A few years ago, a story to close our study with, we were visiting Conway, South Carolina. We stayed in a 
bed and breakfast. And we got up and, you know, uh, you have breakfast with everyone else who is staying there. And most of the time there are strangers to you. And we met a young woman, a lawyer, who traveled around Georgia taking depositions in cases where tragic deaths had occurred, usually uh, auto accidents. And as we shared uh, a bit about who we were, the minute we said Salvation Army, she said, oh, do you know, happened to be a friend of ours, Scott Busby, who is a lawyer. And uh, she told us all about her uh, encounters with Scott and what a good witness he had been to her. And then she proceeded to tell us that she would be overcome doing this particular work, taking these depositions in times of such tragedy, were it not for her own contentment and peace in the Lord. But she made a point to say that you can see the difference of those who have faith in God and experience his presence and those who don't. She said it's like night and day. Dear friends, we can be blessed men and women permanently content in the altar of our hearts. We can experience that permanent blessing. We can know the contentment of God, no qualities of which change. It's not a contentment tied to things or people or circumstances. We can say with the Apostle Paul, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We can live, as verse 7 of Psalm 84 says, from strength to strength, within us, in our hearts, by the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Yes, we will pass through the valleys of weeping. Maybe you are passing through that today. The presence of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit allows us to make of those places, places of springs. I want to go back and close with that song that seems to fit just so well. Lord, I would lift my hands to the hills, knowing my faith is resting on you. Your peace you give me in times of the storm. That's our lesson. Your peace you give me in times of the storm. You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands to you in total praise. That is my uh, prayer for you. Holiness is peace in the storm. Holy living is rest on the stormy banks of Jordan as we look forward to one day being at perfect rest with him. I'd like to just have a word of prayer, and particularly, I want to remember those who may be going through the storms of life as we share together today. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
your faithfulness to all of your promises. And you have promised us that you would be with us in all the times, the times of trouble, of grief. You can give us and want to give us a permanent sense of your presence and a peace in the midst of life's storms. For anyone who is in need of that this day, who is listening, I pray that you will meet that need and bring that wonderful peace to their hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We'll look forward to seeing you next month. Again, this is Vern Jewett and the Holiness Podcast. And may God keep you and bless you until we meet again. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you.